Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dial the gate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Welcome to episode 45 of Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. Thank you so much for joining. I hope your Saturday is wonderful. We just uh, wrapped up with David Blue, and we're going to be moving on to our next guest, key makeup artist, Jan Newman, responsible for makeup for Stargate SG-1 from seasons 1 to 10 and Arc of Truth and Continuum. Jan is one of the best people that you'll find anywhere. And it's just a delight to sit down and talk with her. But before we bring her in, if you like Stargate and you want to see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal if you click that like button. It really makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will definitely help the show grow its audience. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click that subscribe icon. Giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops, and you'll get my notifications of any last-minute guest changes. This is key if you plan on watching live, and clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next several uh, days on both the Dial the Gate and GateWorld.net YouTube channels. So before I bring Jane in, uh, you can submit questions to the key makeup artist yourself at youtube.com slash dial the gate. There's an open chat right now and we have moderators standing by. So big thanks to Summer, Ian, uh, Tracy, Keith, Jeremy, and Reese for making that happen. Uh, Linda, Gate Gabber, Fury, my right hand, uh, she's, she's in there as well. And Jen Kirby, those are the people who bring dial the gate to you. And without further ado, she's been standing by so patiently. Miss Jan Newman, key makeup artist for Stargate SG-1. Hello. Thank you so much. I think I will correct you. It's Mrs. Not Miss. Oh, Mrs. Thank you. I apologize. (laughs) No, I don't don't know if he's embarrassed by me saying that. It's all good. How are you, Jan? How are things? Very well. Very, very good. So, 
It's a pleasure to talk to you again, David. It's so wonderful to have you on the show. You know, I um I was so grateful uh, that you that you agreed to to come on, and it, the the Stargate fan community is such an amazing thing, and it allows people of all different creeds to come together for a show that they love. And you, I never would have have met you uh, had it not been for GateCon. So I must give huge thanks to Richard and Friend and Alan and all the people at GateCon for uh, connecting us originally and then getting to know you through the various parties and events and dinners yeah. that, that we've had. And so it's it's wonderful to have you back. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be back with all the, the wonderful Stargate uh, fans and, and people who are interested in what we do. What is it that you remember most fondly? looking back on that huge journey that was Stargate with Rick and Michael and Amanda, you know, and all the people that came together to make that happen, you know, fond memories. I'm, I'm trusting are, are, are there in that. Extremely fond memories. I have to say, David, it was, and I've quoted this quite a few times. There's nothing like having a job where you don't mind getting up at, four o'clock or five o'clock in the morning going to meet your family because it really is just like going home in many, many ways to the point where, uh, you know, I guess we um, cut our own personal families a little slack, but there we go. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, is, uh, it, it is really a pleasure. I think if, you, if I've got the question right, I think the most overwhelming thing for me was that very first episode, Children of the Gods, it was so huge. I had no idea how big it was going to be in the terms of, of its the storyline, but also just the whole logistics of all the, the tattoos and all the caps and all the Jafar. And it was, um, all I could say is that thank goodness for all my wonderful makeup assistants and hairdressers and effects people because it just would have gone straight over my head. Christina McQuarrie had what, what, I mean, a tremendous, tremendous job. Yes, yes. And, you know, it's interesting, David, because we, when we're doing this kind of a job, you don't just do it by yourself. You read the script, you take your notes, you go to a concept meeting, and you meet everybody who is, actually going to participate in what you do. And so we have to make sure that we can share our ideas with them and backwards so that, that we, um, whatever starts in the art department, often it shows up uh, loudly and also in the costume department, the hair department, and of course the makeup department follows through on a lot of these things. And I'm very, very grateful to have been part of this, the early nucleus of, of um, these teams. Where, tell, tell us a little bit about you. Um, where are you from originally? What uh, did you want to do um, <laughs> with your life when you were younger? And um, how did that pave the way to what you ultimately did with Stargate? Well, it goes all the way back to Australia. I was born in Australia in New South Wales, 
and I literally grew up in the bush in west of Sydney and the Blue Mountains and it was just a wonderful childhood I had. I was the eighth of nine children. So wow. I had lots of brothers and sisters playmates. We had a lot of playmates there, but um, I'm very, very grateful. You know, you talked about heroes. My family are my heroes because without them, I'm probably not the person I am now because I was extremely shy. I used to hide behind my mother's skirts when people came by, so very, very scary. <laughs> um, but uh, I, because there were two nurses in my family, it seemed like either you become a teacher or a nurse. So I went into nursing training oh. for four years at the Sydney University Hospital, Royal Prince Alfred Hospital. And I graduated from there, but somewhere within that time period, I wanted to be a flight attendant. Really? Yeah. And in, all, in those days, or at least in Australia, if you didn't have a, a nursing nursing certificate or, or advanced at, um, first aid, um, they wouldn't really look at you. So um, when I applied for it, I was, went into nursing school when I was 17 and I graduated uh, four years later. And at that point, I was ready to go for an interview for the airlines, which I did. And I was very, very fortunate to get a job with Australian National Airways, ANSET Australia. And it was, it was quite a small airline just within Australia. But once again, family, I just fell into my big family at home to family flying and um, flew all over Australia. And um, by the time we had sort of spent three years, I had spent three years training and finishing training. I mean, I decided I wanted to travel a little bit. And my girlfriend and I decided, oh, we'd go to Canada. <laughs> uh, every Australian kid goes to, to England. And I thought, no, we could And so we did, my brother, my eldest brother, Don, uh, trained for the Air Force in Canada at, um, I think, Fort McLeod or down the south of Alberta. And um, so I had read his diaries, early diaries, and it's a really interesting place. So my friend and I, Joy, uh, decided we took a ship to Vancouver. And um, that was, we wanted, we thought we wanted to fly for Canadian Pacific. Didn't quite happen like that, but um, we, I, I worked as a nurse at the Vancouver General Hospital for a little while, and she worked for a doctor's office. And then we just, ah, let's just move on. So we went to, we went to Alberta. I took the train to Alberta uh, and got off at Lake Louise, beautiful place in the world. And little did I know that um, three weeks later, I met this gorgeous man with blonde hair and blue eyes. And, that's it. <laughs> so we've been married for 56 years. Oh my gosh. So, so there you go. But, but it was, uh, it was an amazing, an amazing education to be uh, in the Rockies with all of those wonderful tourists. And, um, but I didn't have that luxury because my, I got a job as in the coffee shop for the drivers and the cowboys. 
anyway, so that's from there on. We, um, I ended up going back to Australia. Okay. And we got married there. Oh. And I've lived in Canada ever since. Wow. I go back to Australia every two years, if I'm lucky. <laughs> right. With yeah. Going, yeah. Not going, not going to happen in a hurry, but. Uh, yeah, we all got to keep on praying that we're going to be able to return to normal at some point here soon. So. Well, let's hope. Let's make sure this this virus gets shot down by these these vaccines um, injections. Yeah. Yeah. Where where does makeup into the picture? Where where and the the film industry? Where does where does that uh, the television industry? Where's the the road that leads you to MacGyver? Well, I, I don't think it, it was sort of um, entered my mind. When, I, when we were flying, we, we used to have to have makeup lessons and deportment lessons and all that sort of what have you. Um, but it wasn't until um, we, when my husband and I, he was this uh, music teacher in high school, and uh, we moved to Edmonton in Alberta. And I was very, very fortunate to meet a wonderful woman by the name of Jenny Dement, who was the makeup artist for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. But she was also the uh, the uh, makeup artist uh, in charge of Vancouver, the um, Edmonton Opera Company, and and, and music theatre. And because there was a lot of that in Alberta at that time, and I uh, was feeling a little restless with nursing because it was, it was, you know, they didn't want anybody full-time, just part-time. Okay. So she offered me a chance to come and work with her in in the opera doing some background performances and, you know, the chorus and what have you. And I got to the point where I really enjoyed it. She, she paid me to have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And she, she was just a wonderful, wonderful woman. And, I some of my friends to this day are still makeup artists or former makeup artists that we met in those days. So I um, could also honestly say that having gone from theatre um, into television news and broadcasting into making uh, doing feature films in Alberta, uh, it was a giant leap, just a giant leap. But I managed it, got through it. I made a couple of work in a couple of movies in Alberta. And then when things were a little bit slow, I decided I would, because Vancouver was really jumping with film at that time. And so tell me to shut up if I'm talking too much. No, you keep on going. We're, <laughs> we're, we're going on the path I want to. Um, so when I came, came to Vancouver and bought my resume, um, a couple of resumes and went to a couple of places. And I'll never forget the first the first office I went to, the production manager looked at it and put it in the garbage. So I, I thought, well, he doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know anything about me. But I said, okay, well, that's the answer. I'm not going to be doing this. But it happened to be the script supervisors was working on the show and she, I had worked with her before in Alberta. So we just clicked and... Um, I got the next, I stayed with her and got my next job, which was um, forgotten. Uh, Hitchhiker, I think the, the original Hitchhiker, um, the second season, 
And then I went on to um, 21 Jump Street. Now, were you assistant makeup in this, or were you no, makeup key? Oh, I was key. We didn't oh, have wow. a lot of makeup artists in British Columbia at that time, but it certainly has grown since since we've been fortunate to have schools and a lot of huge, huge productions coming through. And we all learn by by doing and by um, helping others out. And you learn so much by just working with somebody. The one little thing, you know, you might learn sort of what kind of eyelash adhesive, that sort of little thing. And then you just sort of bloom from there. And I am extraordinarily um, grateful for all the people I've trained with. So, I mean, even though I was key, it's not, you don't just run it by yourself. You have to have lots of people around you. And extremely grateful for the um, the people who were in, in Vancouver working on films um, probably, hmm, probably about eight or nine in the union here, and I didn't have any hope in heck of getting into the union. So, but I just plodded along, and um, I got a couple of feature films as assistants to to other makeup artists, and um, I, I I think I met I met Brad right when I was doing Hitchhiker. Mm. Hitchhiker was one of those low budget kind of things that you do. And I, um, was it Hitchhiker, was it? Anyway, um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was lots and lots of fun. And no, it wasn't Hitchhiker, it was, it was, hmm. Are you working with Brad on? No, he was, I think he was produ a production or producer on, on it. He was doing Outer it. Limits for a long time. Outer Limits. It was Outer Limits. Yeah. Was it? Okay. It was Outer Limits, yeah. Okay. And that was uh, that was a wonderful, once more, meeting all kinds of people. And you, you, we had, had didn't have much in that time of um, makeup effects people. And so I think it was Outer Limits where, where some of our people moved from just straight makeup into makeup effects. And we have, to this day and age, we have some of the very, very best makeup effects people. Um, I first met one of the best makeup effects people on a MacGyver that we aged Richard to 100 years old. In and MacGyver? On MacGyver, yeah. Really? And um, I think Dave was from Los Angeles, but we, we had a lot of other people um, training with him. One of my assistants became was my assistant that decided to go over there and help him, and that was good. Um, so, you know, little things like that to open the door and somebody somebody comes in and things change. So um, having, having been um, very, very fortunate to have, to have been able to open those doors and go in and do what I do, um, I couldn't be happier. Now that I'm retired, I'm scared that I actually did what I did. <laughs> <laughs> Jan, you guys started on Children of the Gods in 1996-97. I mean, it's like 22, 23, 24 years at this point. Um, did your schedule with Stargate 
remain fairly consistent throughout the 10-year run in terms of the time that you would get up, you know, and be there on set, getting the makeup trailer ready, bringing the actors in, getting through to the end of the day. Compared to to later on? <laughs> to season 10. Um, and our, well, yeah. I, I, honestly, David, it was, it was so overwhelming to work to work on those first few episodes because I don't, I don't know if people remember, but we had a lot of women with tattoos. Yes. And that was something that I think, now I, I would have to say that, that um, I wasn't expecting that, but when we, when they were, the costume art department decided that, that, you know, that they would look like they all look, we had these very pretty tattoos made for them, or mostly just almost like stencils, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and it was overwhelming. I think I had, at one point I had ten makeup assistants doing just the women, and you know, it's it's it was a great place to meet makeup artists, and and also I think for them to sort of get more of a feel for a, a big a big. Um, company with also big numbers of, of cast and, and background performers and um, very, very lucky. Most of those people now, I'd say, David, are very, very highly trained, very much in demand makeup artists now. I have nothing to do with it. I, they, they came to work with us. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, and, and I think... I think because I have a tendency to be rather shy, I think it was a bit um, bit overwhelming in many ways, but I was so grateful for their input into everything that I was doing as well. It's, it's not a one-man man band here, you know. It's everybody. Everybody helps. Everybody has their part to play. Jan, you said that you would get to um, Bridge at about 4 or 5 in the morning? Depends on what we were doing, what location we were at. But if we were at the if we were at the Bridge Studio, I'd probably be there by six, set up the trailer for the first cast coming in. But what did that entail? Probably... Sorry. What did that entail? Setting oh, up the trailer. So you're the first well, one into that trailer. Well, that with the hairdresser and myself. Yes, that uh, we set it up. Um, I always had a first assistant, sometimes a second assistant, and. Um, when we had, we would go in, we'd set up, um, and I'd get all the makeups out and all the hair and you know, all that sort of thing all set ready because we probably had, we had the uh, hair department had wigs to deal with and um, we had tattoos to deal with, um, different colored, different colored, um, for instance, Apophis was gold and right. Christopher was, you know. Chris was dipped in gold for a while too. He was, uh, until he became part of SD One. But uh-huh. it, no, and that that was uh, one of the things that I've, I've often said was that between between Richard, we're not wanting to sit in the makeup makeup chair for more than six minutes at a time. <laughs> with Christopher Judge, whose makeup actually took almost an hour every day. Um, we would we would start with Christopher and some of the other actors, and then Richard would come in at the last minute after blocking, sit down, go to back to work. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, so and he was, he was, he, you know, and I can't say Richard has not changed in all the years I've known him. <laughs> he's just a big kid. I truly, he, he was, to me, was just like one of my kids. <laughs> just, but lovingly, and he, uh, he's a bit naughty, too. Well, you have to have a little fun. Yeah. <laughs> I want I want to get to the cast in a moment. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm what I'm trying to do is get a picture of what your day, a typical day was like. Day was. Okay. So you have so that Chris would take the longest, about an hour. Mm-hmm. Set uh, shooting uh, would begin what at nine. Um, well, they usually go for a rehearsal between seven and seven thirty, and then come back and while they're getting the lighting set up and all the background things, um, we'd probably go to camera about eight o'clock. Eight in the morning. Okay. And then we would, in our department, because we would start, I would say probably an hour and an hour and a half before the rest of the crew. I mean, the grips and, and leptics would come in and do their thing as well. But um, it, I don't know. It was just, for me, um, one of those things that had to be organized. We had to have a plan. And once they left the makeup trailer, we were probably we would probably go to breakfast for a quick a quick meal, and always somebody would have to be on set when the actors were there, um, and so that filled up that filled up the good part of our day. We um, we had wonderful meals, so we were very lucky. I'd send yes. one of my assistants to go and get my lunch so I could have time for lunch. Your catering was amazing. I remember it. Yeah. Well, the thing was too that. We, at most points, we only had a half-hour lunch break. And so if you didn't have it and didn't get to it, that was it. But um, and, it, and over the years, that changed because we could we could have breaks for uh, break assistance so that they could come back at a different time. Um, at any given time, I pro- or certainly on, on Children of the Gods in those early episodes of Stargate, probably had maybe four or five makeup first assistants and second assistant makeups. And that often, because our, our trailers in those days were quite limited in, in the number we had, number of trailers, we would set up tents for them. Oh. The, the background performers and the, the stunt people would probably often go to work with our assistants in the tents. And um, the, certainly the background performers were almost always intense. Um, so uh, that, that was that was just that was just the norm for that. And I think it probably still is to some degree. Um, but getting back to my daily daily, um, probably I would probably clean up the actors. You'd put makeup on, but you'd have to clean them up, right? Um, for, <laughs> So um, I think probably we'd leave leave the set probably by 9 o'clock, and um, the cleanup was often very very elaborate. Often because we'd have to take care of the tattoos and the, the caps, and which was a bane of my existence. Those caps, <laughs> the Jaffa skull caps. Uh, oh. Anyway, I'm glad they took them off after a while, uh, but um, the. Uh, the we had to take care of them, you know. So all the little bits and pieces we send them out the door at seven o'clock in the morning have to come back and be prepared for the next day. So which took us, um, 
I remember I remember having a conversation with Andy Makita once about one of our directors that sometimes at the end of the day we'd get home and I don't know how I got home. You know, if somebody had stopped me on the bridge going home, I was like, where are you going? I said, I don't know. <laughs> Simply because it was so time consuming and, and very exhausting in many ways. But you know, you know, David, if you love what you do, you deal with it. It gives you the power that you need. Mm-hmm. And the people that you're going there to play with. I mean, Richard Dean Anderson, like you said, big kid, you know, he's not at work. He's having a great time he and is. he's, and he's giving the lines and he's hitting, hitting his cues and everything else. But you know what? It, he, he's not there to work. He's there to play. Can I just say this at this point in time? It's the 23rd of January. It is. Ricky. birthday. So happy birthday, Ricky Dean. I love you. <laughs> Happy birthday, Rick. Absolutely. Tell us about Amanda. Oh, what can I say? She's my sister, my daughter, my aunt, everybody. I just adore her. And then actually, it's interesting, David. I met her before I knew who she was. Really? <laughs> well, I, I, I had come from the production office and I was going back to the makeup trailer and uh, Amanda came, she had quite long hair and she came by and uh, I said, can't remember what I said to her. And um, she said, oh, I'm, I've got to go on makeup and hair. And I, and I told her who I was. And both of us started crying because I was so overwhelmed by meeting this woman who was so gentle and so relaxed, but she wasn't relaxed, if you know what I mean. She, she like most of us, when we do something, there was, there was indecision and tension. But mm. honestly, by the time we got into the makeup trailer and she had her hair done and she, we figured out what her makeup was, it was just like being with a kid's sister or, you know, it, I just can't. She is, is probably one of the most amazing women, not just active, I've ever met. I think as well... She had, Amanda is not just an actor. Amanda is an honest human being, truly a humanitarian, I would say, as well. Um, we were, we were, we became even better friends when Olivia was born. Because right. Season she's nine. Olivia into the makeup trader and Olivia right here. And, and I couldn't, couldn't have been happier. <laughs> beautiful baby so but getting back to who she was and who she is to me she's still a good friend I still we still meet for tea once in a while and um good especially with a couple of my other former assistants who just just we just bonded completely I think and at least this is my and I I think Amanda would probably say the same it's um, it, it's not. It's and how can I say this? It's not rare that you can meet people and bond with them to a degree, but to somebody, somebody like well, I mean, I've bonded to Richard since since the first day on the guy was so that for me was easy. Um, he's such a charming person, um, and and some of the other actors who became onto Stargate, um. 
I had worked with before. So sort of almost once again, like going home and to, to as far as Amanda's concerned, I would simply say she's a hundred percent goal. She is the definition of a star. Um, absolutely. There is not a fake anything about that woman. She is completely genuine and everything that everyone says about her is, is true. So that's so rare anymore. I mean, not, not so much now it's, it's gotten a lot better with transparency with social media and everything else in terms of, you know, there's, there's few, fewer shenanigans that you can get away with. Mm -hmm. But Amanda, I mean, the, from the first day I met her, you know, I mean, she remembers who you are, that, that brain in, in that skull of hers keeps track of so much information. And everyone that I talk with says that she's an exceptional director. You know, she should have been a road scholar as well. I don't know what is her IQ is way up there anyway, mm-hmm. but that, that makes it even better because she's so humble mm-hmm. with, with her, her, her ability to do what she does. And, and it's not just doing the job and, saying the words and everything. She's juggling so much else in into her day, whether it's at work or whether it's at home or, you know, doing some of her charity work. She just gives it all. I don't know how else to say it, but she's, she's a champion. Michael Shanks. Oh, well, <laughs> Michael Shanks. What can I say about Michael? He was he was sort of more the mischievous mischievous kid. No, no. He was pretty young he, when he started the show. Very young. Yeah, he, I think he was just out of university. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, oh, he'd been at Stratford, I think, prior to to him coming to Stargate. But um, it, a consummate actor. Um, I think always knew his lines. Uh, there were times when um, some of the not the characters, but the, the way that the script is written is a little bit um, um, bit shocking for him and for us in terms of, I would have to say, when he's, when he's, he's aged to what, whatever he was in, I, I can't remember the name. It was an episode where he was, he played Macello. And it was actually Michael under all that makeup. He was it like was. 100 years old. It was. Yeah. And I wish I could tell you who did the makeup, but I think it was it was probably Todd Masters or, mm-hmm. or some. We had we had a lot of very youngish in terms of um, years of work experience, but a very talented, very talented makeup effects people. But a lot of them who made who made. Um, the prosthesis, prosthetics for for um, um, well, for Richard mm. and for uh, Dave Dupree did that one. I remember because he was he was an Academy Award winner from Los Angeles, and it was just really lovely. But I think Todd and um, uh, Christopher Chris Penny, who was one, was my uh, makeup assistant at one mm. point, Rachel Griffin was makeup. Um, Holland Miller, uh, just so many wonderful young, um, I'd say very inquisitive about how they would approach their prosthetics and their, their designs. Of course, the art department of the Puget has always had 
their idea of what was going to be. And if it was a if it, it was a a character of historic purposes, then then they already had the work pretty much planned out for them. But um, I was always amazed at some of the I, I, you know the tokers and this right guess, I mean, all the different Gould, yeah. They were so so lifelike, and you can sort of want to walk up and pat them on the head and say, oh, "How are you doing today?" <laughs> <laughs> But um, does that answer what my day was like? Yeah, you had you had all different kinds of things going on. That scene of Wormhole Extreme where you're standing by the green aliens with Willie Garson. And Willie Garson says, oh, they went with green. Okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. and you had your cameo. That really was kind of like what the show was like, it, it, or a lot of what the show was like. And in the background, you got people in the background walking with the mannequins under yeah. their arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's interesting. I mean, it's interesting that you should say that because many of us, many of us working on the show had walk-ons, you know. Did, mm-hmm. It could be, you know, I was carrying Wedding my party. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that was beautiful. Yes. But, um, but be just, not just, just big scenes, but, you know, sort of, as you say, walking behind, carrying carrying somebody's legs or somebody's torso or <laughs> a wig on the, somebody's head that shouldn't be there. <laughs> that we did. But such such a treasure and a pleasure that um, I just wish my memory was better. Good. It's short, but it's not too bad. Well, you remember the important people. Mm-hmm. I did uh, another uh, series, short-lived, called Dialing Home. And it mm-hmm. was with Christopher Judge. And Christopher always had wonderful things to say about you and how patient (laughs) you were with him because he could not be more of a prankster and just, you want to talk about a a kid in an adult's body Um, that, I mean, you could definitely say that for Rick, but uh, for, for Chris tremendously as well. I have rarely met a person who loved life as much as that man does. Yeah. You know, I first met him on McGuire. Uh-huh. He was he was a pup. He had a guest starring role. He was a football player, whatever what he was, but anyway, he He was really young. Yeah, he you know, he was uh, I think he's learning MacGyver was teaching him something about about levers and stuff like that. And he was a little bit of a naughty boy then. <laughs> But he was very young. I just smack him over the face, you know. He told us about a time where uh, he destroyed uh, Terrell's makeup job by uh, wrapping her up in duct tape. What? <laughs> you don't. No. Yeah. Yeah. I was probably out to lunch that day. Ah, uh, they had been arguing about something, and so she decided that she was just going to ignore him. Um, and uh, he would he would talk to her, and she'd be like, "What is that sound? Do you guys hear that really irritating noise?" Yeah. So he just had enough, where he just duct taped her to a chair, and the makeup had to be reapplied. <laughs> I didn't do Terrell's makeup in those days. Ah, okay. I- always did although i did i did her makeup a few times but um uh i think uh, christopher and dorothy did most of her makeups and uh, so but 
but lovely, lovely lady, lovely lady. Absolutely genuine. Tell us about Don. About? Don S. Davis. Oh, he's still my heart. Yeah, right? Well, once again, I'll have to tell you that I'm not supposed to be talking about this. I met Don on MacGyver. Yeah, and Dana Elkar's double. Well, it turns out that way. Yes. I think I've probably mentioned this before, but we had to we had to put put um, Dana into the water, in, into a, a pond or something for whatever reason. I don't. We had, but he we didn't have time for a stunt double, really, and to put a ball cap on a stunt double, and it happens that um, Don was was one of the characters running through the bushes chasing up the and I said to the producers, could we just use use Don in um as a um photo double? You did. So so um Don Davis became became um stunt double for a couple of times for um um well, mostly just just for him, but uh, but um, uh, I think you know Don was was a university graduate in art art and science and all those things. As a good actor, very good actor, and it's a gentle, gentle soul. So to to see him on see him on stage doing doing his artwork from theater and then seeing him running through the bushes following following a you know <laughs> hairy creature. Uh you know, it was it was it's so unlike what you would see the man on the stage or in the theater or in his office seeing him doing all this. And he was he was very, very lovely. I miss him a lot. I um mm-hmm. Hammond was no one else was in contention for that role. They made that role for Don. I think so. I think I, I agree. Yeah. It was, it was um, as I said, it's, there were many, many lovely, gentle people on our shows, but Don was was charismatic. Charismatic. Charismatic, charismatic <laughs> in a gentle sort of way. Yeah. You know, he just, he just catch you off and just, yeah, well, that was Don. You know, he's, I found that everything, everything, every time I got to work with him was a real treasure. Was there anyone over the years of that show that you just pinched yourself that you got to work with? You had some heavyweights in that series. You had Mel Harris. You had Lou Gossett Jr. You had Bo Bridges. I worked with Bo before in a previous, and when his father, Lloyd. Yeah. So it was good. But, you know, yes, I think uh, well, if if you want to get out of theater for a minute, President Clinton. You've you've worked, you've done makeup for President Clinton? Yes. Really? All right. And for for Pierre Trudeau. A lot of big wigs. But, um, Yes, uh, 
I don't know. I just I just think that uh, he was Clinton was here during the the G seven summit, and I, and I think I think I was working with John Lennox and mm. and was it trying to think. Um, anyway. It came down to the fact that they needed a makeup artist because he'd been out jogging in the morning and he was very sunburnt or something. So he needed some adjustments. And so I I went down there and escorted by the RCMP and a few other people. Of all places, I got to make up the the wonderful president of the United, former president of the United States in the women's washroom at the airport, (laughs) at the the hotel, Pan Pacific Hotel. And that's what I, I... I'm keep. I'm taking that to the. Oh man! <laughs> a very tall man. <laughs> I would suspect so. <laughs> yes, but no. I, I there. I know. I, I I can't name them all because there's so many wonderful mm. surprises. Um, Richard Gear. I ended up doing Richard Gear's makeup for a little while when his makeup artist had to go back to L.A. for, for intersection. So I just. Having, but having talking about people on Stargate. Well, you're right, Luke Gossett Jr. and and Dom DeLuise and Oh Dom Ergo. Yeah. My gosh, what an and, episode! And yeah. being directed by his son. Do you know I first met Peter on Twenty One Jump Street? That would make sense. Yeah. What a great human being. A lovely man, just just a lovely man. And I, one of the things that, that um, I remember about Peter is that he's got a photographic memory. Oh, really? And when we had to have a question about something from through the art art department and the producers um, for the tattoos, because as you know, there were a hundred different tattoos for mm-hmm. all these different planets. Um, and I often would go to Peter and I say, "What do you think?" We'd, he would say, "Well, this I think this. Let's go to the art, art department and and because they would do the designs for us. And if they weren't in gold, we would just stencil them on. That would have to, and the art department would make those for us. And we had um, we had at one point we got to the point we needed the gold the gold ones. But we didn't have time to do sculpting." And the wonderful art department came up with a, a, like a, it's like a, a handmade um, tattoo, but it was in layers. And so we would have to make them. My lovely Dorothy Deichman had the job of laying the gold inside of all these pieces and then pulling it apart. And there was there was their tattoo. Wow. And it was that was I mean that was that was one of the challenges. By the time we sort of work their way through all of those things. So. There was a, a lot of work to that. You know, you just think, oh, it's just a tattoo. Well, no, not necessarily. Like, Tilks, originally, it was in a low number of different pieces, and then you created, like, a, a whole disc to That's put right. on that. You know, it's interesting because um, Charles Bordier, who who was a, a makeup effects at that time, did, did the first few, and... Um, it was turned over to me to make them and they were in three pieces and you just put them on and then fill in and um this is something 
I don't know how, to, how tall too many people, but my lovely uh, assistant, Monica Hubert, and I were going through, it was very early in Tilk's life when he was in the, in the SD1, and he, we had a, a situation where we had to do it in a hurry. And we looked at, looked at the dailies, Monica and I looked at the dailies and we both started laughing. And I said, do you see what I see? <laughs> I went to Michael Greenberg and I said, well, you've got our pink slips ready, Michael? <laughs> said, what are you talking about? Are you talking about? Did you see the dailies? Did you see what direction the snake was pointing? Oh, and I mean, we laughed, but thank goodness we kept our jobs. Monica and I just kept our jobs and get going straight. There is one episode, I can't think of the name of the episode, where, yeah, the serpent's upside down. <laughs> but you know what? Hey, makes for a great story and a great Easter egg. We talked about this at the convention, didn't we? Somebody asked a question about, about Tilk when, when you interviewed I'm sure. People. <laughs> yeah, I wish I knew. I knew which one. It was one of the earlier episodes for sure, and yeah, I just yeah. remember watching. Like, well, it was the, the first right? time I think he was out of his um, Jafar outfit and became part of military sort of. Okay, so he was forward. in kind of a, a kind of a military. Yeah, and so, yeah, and so uh, I just I just shudder now. That oh, was it's the all end of my career. I oh, know. <laughs> that was just the beginning of a long run. But Michael was so forgiving and so, so, because you know, I worked with Michael on, on MacGyver. Mm -hmm. and, and it was one of those, one of those treasures when he had these little kids around him. He was such a different man with babies. <laughs> what was the pace like for Arc of Truth and Continuum? Was it a little bit more um, relaxed because the shoots yeah. were okay? Yeah. No, it, it certainly was, and I and I think that the the timing of it worked better for us in terms of it was over a longer period of time, and and um, it was a new aspect. I mean, one point we were on a ship in the Arctic, and <laughs> right. But I, I didn't go to the Arctic. I have had out, outgrown my insurance days by then. <laughs> but no, it, and and that that was the fact that we had to re recreate a lot of it back in the studio was was um was, was great because we had the film footage to be able to adjust some of it. But um, yeah, that that was that was um, much more relaxed, should I say? I have I have. Um, well, continuum. Mm. I don't know. It, just, it, it was it was one of those one of those scripts that I think that it took a lot more adjusting to than some of the others. I have some fan questions submitted. Some which? Some some questions submitted by fans. Oh, I thought you said band. Well, I know nothing about music. I haven't been in band since fifth grade. I have some questions submitted by okay. fans that I want to share with you. Let's hope I can answer them. <laughs> a couple of them I can. Easy Sparky. Uh, Jan, what was one of the more challenging makeup jobs that you had to do? And what was it that made it challenging? In what in what way? Was it on stage or in film or in Stargate? Let's, let's keep it focused on Stargate. 
course, of course, that's what we're talking about. Oh, um, I'd mentioned that, that Christopher's makeup took a long time and it was, it was one of those makeups that was done by, by me and by Christopher having done his research for what he thinks it should look like because he came as an alien and we had to decide if it was being somewhat um, uh, some in Egyptian um, mm. attachments to it. Um, but the fact that he, and it, it, it also, also Apophis was another one, but that, that how would we, how would we create the gold uh, from the kingdom into, into the makeup that they had, since they were little, had been developing? Do you know what I mean? As, mm -hmm. as, as the person, as, um, and, and um, Christopher had a lot, a lot to do with his look. Um, the eye makeup and the and the gold uh, was was very very much a, a, a joint um, plan with with Christopher and and also and of course the producers of course and you don't do anything without producers and directors having their say and thank goodness for them because it gives you a little better, better sense of direction. Well, of course, as you know, a lot of it's already in the script, so you have to have a basis. You can lean so, that on that, yeah. Okay, well, that, I would say that's the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> the two of them, Apophis and, and, and Teal. Stefan Ames asked, uh, is Teal's loss of his gold makeup because he started using Tritonin? So in season six, he started getting those injections instead of having the symbiote in his belly. And they started. he started being more human-like because... He was, he wasn't relying on his his junior anymore to to be a to be a Jaffa. I, I, from what from what I have gathered from when we did that, I, I really think that be, when he became came joined SG one, he decided that the important part from him was got what they call it, but the really like the candles and Kelnorim. Uh, yeah, he would he would meditate. Yep. It, him. He'd do his meditation, and <clears throat> I think he. I think the basis of it was that he didn't need that ritual anymore mm. to to prepare himself. He still had his tattoo, but didn't need the the continuation, the continuity of of his his gold in his eyes, and mm. he just became a man, you know, human. I mean, as human as he, as best you could be, right. <laughs> As human as he could be. Uh, Jet Eisen, who was the quickest to prepare? I think you answered this, that Rick was in and out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a no-brainer. Eight minutes mostly for Richard depends, depending on whether or not we got into a discussion about something. <laughs> and he always had an opinion about something. And a couple of things I always remember about Rick was that he definitely had an opinion, and I would say, but never. And he said, there is no such thing as never. <laughs> ah. And and I never, I just remember that. But being an English major, he, you know, he and, and his dad with his upbringing, I think I think he um, probably was able to rewrite a lot of the scripts himself in his own head. 
Does it make sense? But he would often change. I don't know about often, but uh, he ha- was allowed to suggest dialogue. And yes. sometimes on the set, it would just kind of come out. Yeah, yes. Like him with Tom Macbeth, you know, and Ronnie yeah. Cox. I'm Starsky. This is Hutch. That's all. That's yeah. Rick. That wasn't in the script. No, no. And I mean, he, he, had, <clears throat> he has such a wonderful imagination anyway. And you think that <clears throat> depending where we were shooting sometimes, he'd just look around whether in the sand dunes or up in Red Rock Canyon. And it, something would just jump out at him, you know, and he'd add that just to part of the, oh, can you see this or what do you think about and, and <laughs> that? I mean, he probably probably wrote half the script himself. <laughs> <laughs> I think it benefited from his kind of... Spastic is not the right word, but the, he was... He, there was an inatt- inattentive quality to him. That that made Jack very childlike and one and like, oh, that's interesting. You know, I'm going to comment on that. You know, you think and ADHD had anything to do with? I, you know him better than I do. I wasn't going <laughs> to say uh, anything. Uh, no, not really, but you know, distraction is very much part of Richard. He, yeah, he and he gave <laughs> that to O'Neill. That was one of the things that they obviously shared. No, so. he was he was distracted. And it, <laughs> <clears throat> often it would would come down to the fact that he just had a phone call from somewhere or something and and it just it, his mind was there but he'd say his lines and, and almost always perfectly mm. but uh with a twist <laughs> yeah absolutely hey you know what give the editor something to to chew on you know they don't have to use it they can go with another take <laughs> that's true that's absolutely true yeah. peace writer hello jan i'm so glad you're doing this interview because i missed your q a at GateCon. Oh. um since Who's it is uh, Peace Rider is is oh, okay. their handle, and uh-huh. since since it's Rick's birthday, what did you guys do on set for birthdays for the cast and crew? A cake. So one the traditional. Of, uh, one of Andrea's cakes always. She had the most amazing, the most amazing chef. Um, I don't know. Depends on what 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 level of birthday it was. I think. Ah, okay. If it was like a. 10 digit birthday or yeah, bigger one. It's interesting. I don't, I don't particularly remember any one special birthday. Um, It might come to me in my dream somewhere, but um, (laughs) no, I I think often it wasn't, it wasn't just a birthday. It was a celebration of something where there was, whether it was, you know, the the Kamedy Department winning something, mm, an award, for, yeah, from from their union or or whatever. I mean, <clears throat> we were nominated for quite a few things over the years, and um, at one point somebody came in the catering truck and said to me, "Oh, congratulations!" And I said, "What was this? You just been nominated for a Leo Award?" And I said, "No, I haven't. I don't know anything about it." <laughs> and I didn't at that <laughs> point. But we did, we did win two Leos. And oh, wow. And a, a, a cinema, a, the, the um, television film community, um, we won an award for. But uh, I can't think, I can't think of any special occasions. Truly, I can't. I know that there were barbecues for like, they were bringing the families, you know, and 
Oh, those. well, I'll tell you something that does jump to mind now. Every Friday afternoon, they'd have a hot dog day. <laughs> and uh, it was always a joke with, with me and um, John Smith because I, I don't eat hot dogs. Not for the life of me would I eat a hot dog. I said, and he used to say to John, listen, why would you want to eat um, gristle and inter interior parts of a pig or you know, why that appeal to you? And he said, oh, no, no. <laughs> love punching down on them just to, just to tick me off, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that was John Smith. Oh, John. Always, he would always get us somewhere along the line. <laughs> but, you know, you know, David, it was just, just such a wonderful, comfortable, um, so I I have to use the word family because it was so comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so you could take a joke out on a producer or a director or an actor or something, and they don't hold you hold it against you. Take it in stride. It's just part of okay, well, you're feeling like that today, that's okay. You know. But it's always it always felt comfortable. It says a couple of times it didn't feel comfortable. Well, Christopher, you know, said about, you know, in terms of like jabbing, giving jabs at others and keeping it light. And and friendly, he, he said to me, you know, um, if if you if you had a thin skin, you didn't last long on Stargate. Yeah, yeah, you know? no, you're right. And everyone, you know, there was no kowtowing. and that's that's really what made the show up. Yeah, well, I was called into the principal's office a couple of times, but it was just because I was had something that I thought should have done been done, but wasn't. Well, hey, you know, ten years, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So every now and then, it's you no know, not going to be perfect. Yeah. So. No. no, and it, it's uh, it, it's as you say, it, it's the how you sort of wake up in the morning or get mm. caught in traffic or what's going on. You know, that's that's nature. It's just the way we are as human beings, and it, it can chop us up. I wanted to ask you, <clears throat> if you're willing, about. One of the more uh, interesting times, um, unending, the last episode of the show, everyone was aged. And do you feel that that came off as as well as it did? Do you think that was that one I, of the? It's probably not one that I've seen. I, I, I just don't remember that. Oh, okay. Everyone was everyone was stuck on board the ship, and they aged, you aged them all like fifty years. Oh, oh, yes, yes, oh, yes, 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 yes. Well, there was a, a combined effort on everybody's part, cost especially costings and and the art department. Mm -hmm. um, here, you know, it, it wasn't any one department that mm. created that those looks, but yeah, we had we had to age people and. And change their put contact lenses in them and things like that for for um, you know just for for a good ending I suppose mm. is, is what what you would say I don't know the last episode of the show for sure Akos wanted to know um, how often did or did you ever feel that you were pushed to your creative limits as a makeup artist It's like well we'll try this. But I'm not sure how it's going to come out, or you know, something along those lines. Well, you know, David, we were very, very fortunate in that we had enough time to prep some things, mm. and we we um, we did 
we did um, have drawings from from well the producers would give you give you the idea and the art the costume department have their drawings and things. so we would it was a, it was a, a a combined effort really I would say for for most of those things but I I, I just I can't think of any one thing that caused problems if I couldn't do something properly or, or, or creatively the way the producers wanted them. Mm. Um, I have to think on that. I just um, no. I, I just it as I said, it's a combined effort with with every aspect of filmmaking. And you, I mean, if you really screwed up, then you really, if you really, <laughs> really messed up, then you really messed up and it's your fault. But um, we would always have previews too. I mean, if yes. it was special, we would we'd do it and bring the producers or bring it to the producers and they, is this how you thought of it? Or And, and often, it is, as I've said before, you can do makeup, but if the costume doesn't work to the makeup, and the hairstyle doesn't work to the makeup or the vice versa. It has, you know, you have to do your job and then combine it to make sure that the visual is very important to the producers and to the show and, and to what it what it um, uh, creates and what it gives to the show. Mm. What was that whole process like in the beginning with Christina McQuarrie and the others? creating all those different looks for all those different system lords. Teresa wanted to know. Uh, and and the system lords that came later, the, the different Gould with all the different cultural backgrounds and everything else. How did you guys pull that off over the course of those, all of those episodes, creating the, the different designs for every saint, representing all the different cultures of the earth? Well, I, when it just comes to my department, I would have to say... When it comes to the tattoos and the skull caps, we we would talk to um, costumes mm. and the art department is to see their vision of it. Um, I recall many times, Peter, as I said to you before, Peter Delaware has a photographic memory and mm. he, he could tell you which which tattoo was on which, what, what, what. Yeah, so, which belonged to which god, yeah. And so without having a picture in front of you. Wow. And, so he, you know, he uh, he really was pretty amazing, and I I I would say um, um, I can't think of any one thing that would create. Um, I really can't think. Um, hmm. It was a real collaboration. Always, oh, it always, you know, from the get go. I mean, when we when we started. So when we started um, SD One, it we had continued. We met many, many times for for um, meetings, and, and each department or hair and makeup would have their meeting, and costumes would have theirs. And um, so, it, and there were times when I would I would go to the art department and say, "What, in your opinion, what is this?" this look going to be what color or you know what skin color or whatever and they would always come up with some good ideas and we'd take it to the next department and 
that's that's how is how Apophis came to be. To be honest with you. Yeah, Peter Williams, the original bad guy for Stargate SG One. Was yeah. So what a cool guy. Yeah, and he was, and I've worked with him on many other things before, and he's he's a you know, a wicked sense of humor. Mm-hmm. At one point, when, with his costume on and his makeup was finished, he said, "Okay, I want you to to just say I want you to um uh, uh what they what do they call it in, in um I want I want to see the uh, the abs. I had to oh. the abs. <laughs> They'll never be seen. But he's oh no, what happens if I flip? I have to abs on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you see them in Children of the Gods. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that was Peter. And, I mean, he, he had them already, but I just had to enhance them for the lighting. <laughs> uh, Jan, this has been so wonderful to have you on, and I really appreciate you uh, and the fans uh, appreciate you taking the time well, as well. A real treasure, David. But I hope I've answered most of the questions for you in some sort of a, a an understandable way. You have very cohesive. I've been told that my accent hasn't left Australia, but I'm <laughs> no, you were great. Uh, it's thank um... you for doing that. I thank, I love the fans asking questions. I think that that is something that really really helps the the machinery go. When, you, when it comes to making productions, you know, you can't do things, these things without fans. Yeah. Your audience is, if, if you don't have an audience, you don't have a show. And this audience has proven that it just won't die. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you know what? I, I don't know if it'll ever come back, but it might come back in some other form. But mm. I don't, I honestly don't think you could recreate any of that any other way. Well, Brad is working on a fourth one. I heard that. I heard that. But um, only Brad, Brad and Coop and all those people. Yeah, come. absolutely. They're they're the ones that know how to. Joe and Paul, those are the ones that know how to do it. So, thank you again. I'm very grateful to for them for their input into my department too, because I just you know it's, there were times when just you think wake up in the morning is they've got a new script what am i going to do <laughs> right exactly you know how can how can i possibly hack at this at a different in a different direction yeah and you i've know? done that before but how can i change it right exactly it's yeah. it's it's been such a pleasure having you and well, thank you thank all my you best to much. you and to art and <laughs> you guys take care of yourselves and uh you know i'd love to have you back on in the future in, in some roundtable discussions. Namaste. Namaste. Be well, Jan. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks, David. Bye-bye Bye. now. Take Bye-bye. care. Jan Newman, everyone. Keep it, key makeup artist on Stargate SG-1. Thank you so much for joining us this Sunday. It has uh, been a wonderful three shows. Before we let you go, I have a cute piece of art that I found from Nymph Tale. Recently began watching Stargate, Nymphtail says. And apparently it's pretty fun. Yo. Really do love the characters, especially Tilk, always looking fierce with his eyeliner and eyeshadow. Probably will upload another picture without the accessories. A bit too happy with how the face turned out to only show it with a hand in front of his whole cheek. But yeah, this uh, this is really cute. So 
Our sponsor, actually not a sponsor, I um, wanted to let everyone know that one of these communication stones is up for grabs for the month of January. Dial the Gate is giving away uh, the replica communication stone on the right here. The left is a prop. So to enter to win it, you need to use a desktop or laptop computer to visit dialthegate.com and submit trivia questions. Scroll down to submit trivia. Your trivia may be used in a future episode of Dial the Gate, either for our monthly trivia night or for a special guest to ask me in a round of trivia. There's three slots for trivia, one easy, one medium, and one hard. You only need to fill in one, but you're more than welcome to submit up to the three there. Please note the submission form does not currently work on mobile devices. Your trivia must be received before February the 1st, 2021. If you're the lucky winner, I'll be notifying you via your email right after the start of the new year to get your address. So next week is going to be pre-recorded shows. We're going to be bringing you an interview uh, with director Andy Makita, who is going to be at 11 a.m. Pacific time on the 31st. Followed by production designer and art director James C.D. Robbins at 1 p.m. Pacific time on the 31st. And then Gary Jones will be returning for an interview with a fan by the name of Colleen at 3 p.m. Pacific time. So those episodes, actually Andy has already been recorded. James is going to be recorded uh, this this coming Tuesday. Uh, if you do have any remaining questions for James C.D. Robbins, you can get them over to me before Monday night uh, on uh, dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, I'll get those, be sure to get those those questions answered to him. And next week, we are launching our merchandise store. So t-shirts um hoodies we have some custom stargate themed artwork that we will be sharing with you so big thanks to linda gate gabber fury for making that happen uh also big thanks to my moderators summer ian tracy keith uh jeremy and reese you guys make the show happen linda thank you for uh pinch hitting today could not have pulled this off without you and uh, uh, to uh, Jen Kirby as well for, for helping with the so- social media front. That's all I've got for you. I hope you enjoyed the shows. Thank you so much for sticking around and continuing to help Dial the Gate grow. Uh, if you did like the episode, be sure to like, share, subscribe. Uh, it really does uh, increase the odds of this being shared with other members of the Stargate community on YouTube who have not yet found the series. So thank you so much for uh for joining us thank you again to jan newman my name is david reed for dial the gate i'll see you on the other side dial the gate is hosted and executive produced by david reed the producer is darren sumner co-produced by linda fury the composer is neil acri animations by bryce ors the production assistant is jennifer kirby moderators include summer roy keith homel tracy noller jeremy heiner Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com. <laughs>